I'm glad you joined us today, truly. We are in a series we call Spirit of Summer, or, and we, it's, uh, we do a, a teaching of some sort each and every summer because it's part of our intentionality to avoid what we call that summer spiritual slump. And not only don't we want to kind of retreat into a spiritual slump, but we want to set out to grow. And, and if it, maybe even grow right then in the summer months, but certainly we're going to do, do all we can to ensure that we're going to be planting some good, healthy, spiritual seeds now in the summer that, that we could reap a great spiritual harvest in the fall. And we believe this fall will be no different. We don't know what the fall is going to look like, but we are believing, we are optimistic that because of what we're doing this summer, that we are all going to grow spiritually, individually, and as a body of Christ. Now, earlier this spring, back when this chapter in our church and in our country began, uh, I asked you if you were familiar with the term, God will not give you more than you could handle. I wonder when people hear that term, what they think, like, hey, God's got this, or God's going to take care of it. Hey, I'm going to be able to escape, or, you know, the difficulty, the pain, the suffering is going to be alleviated. God's going to manage it. It's, it's just not going to land on my shoulders as much, the issues, the challenges. I remember um, when joy was, I guess the word's conceived, the details surrounding uh, joy being conceived. So at that point in our marriage, Christy and I, we had Justin um, and Jason and Janelle. We had three children. And when it came to these three children, we, we had planned for them. Well, I mean, you know, you, you don't plan for twins. I don't think you can plan for twins. But we had planned for that pregnancy. I mean, with Justin... We were married for three months before, three years, three years before Justin was conceived and we set out to do that. And there were many months of talking and praying, discussion, and then we arrived at, okay, let's do this. And, and then with, you know, the second pregnancy, which wound up being two, Jason and Janelle, same thing. I'd say there was at least a good few months, maybe more, of talking and discussion and let's have a child within, you know, a couple of years from the first child, don't know each other, sort of on that plane, I believe. And, and again, you know, planning and praying. But with Joy, it was a little different. So with Joy, I think we talked and prayed about it for a few days. It, it, it might even be a few hours. You see, the, the truth is that we were with a group of people, and, and we were individually being stirred by God, Holy Spirit, we weren't talking about it. It was kind of a little sensitive. We weren't actually going into conversation with each other. And, and these people were uh, in this kind of a small group that met every other week. They were having children. They were adopting children. And there was this kind of excitement creeping on everyone about, you know, having more children and, and seeing those children grow up loving and worshiping God and serving God. So we were inspired. And, and one night we sat down and we listened to a preacher and we... You know, we were even more inspired. And, and that night we talked a little, and then we prayed a little, and then we stopped talking and we stopped praying, and, well, you know, there you go. Now, the next morning we looked at each other, and we almost simultaneously said, you know, maybe we should talk a little bit more about this and pray a little bit more about this. And 
God was like, you know, I heard you the first time. You're all set. And Christy was with child. Now, the way this worked out from the very beginning, it was kind of, I don't know, complicated. Like, we thought the pregnancy would be a lot easier than it was. You know, Christy coming from a twin pregnancy. This is a singleton. It should be a cakewalk. Not necessarily. And, and you know, and, and, and also, you know, it was just a bit of a challenging time. And, and nine months pass, and, and our little Joy is born. So I think Joy sees it this way. Like, you know, mom and dad planned for Justin, Janelle, and Jason, but God planned me. And that might speak to her kind of a, her having a sense of maybe an elevated status in our family, if you might not notice. But I'm going to tell you that really for some time after that, in that season, it became very challenging for us. And not so much because of Joy herself. She was a very pleasant child, perhaps in some ways the least difficult in that season of an infant from any of our children. I mean, but what was so difficult was that Justin was seven, Jason and Janelle were five. I mean, we had got, gotten past it. You know, five years old is like, you've arrived. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you've gotten past it all, the sleepless nights, the diapers, the, you know, the strained spinach, the constant regurgitation of food in the most untimely moments, and, and, and the car seats that I go on and on and on. And here we are now. We're going to get stuck right back in the middle of it all. And then it was a really difficult season for me, meaning I had so much going on. We had just decided that we were going to be moving back to New England from southern Florida. That's a big relocation. I was going to be leaving the ministry now to start a new occupation. That's a lot. And, oh, by the way, you know, I was going to be building not one but two houses attached to each other for us and my in-laws. The summer of 2006. And, and I'm trying to find a way, and, I, and I'm thinking I've got to find a way to handle all this. And now on top of all of that, I'm going to have not three kids, but four. And the result of all that pressure was I, I began to kind of, you know, escape a bit, to drift away from coming up here to start ministry, to, to drift away from what I believe God was calling me to do, why he was calling me back here. I remember walking up to the house one day, that we were building in Westminster, and it was about half built, and I was so overwhelmed, I literally dropped to my knees. A few months ago, I asked, asked you the question, does God give you more than you can handle? I give you the same answer today that I did then. The answer is yes. God gives you more than you can handle. I think the Apostle Paul would agree with me on this. He would concur. He writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 through 9. It says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might rely on ourselves, or we might, or that we would not, this happened so that we would not rely on ourselves, but instead rely on God who raises the dead. Paul is saying, I, I couldn't stand it, I couldn't take it, I couldn't endure it any longer. I'm figuring God has sentenced me to death. If you ask Paul, do you think God gives you more than you can handle? I think Paul would say, I know he does. Absolutely. 
But remember, he's the God who raises the dead. So even though it's never more than he can handle, he works through us to do the great miraculous and supernatural things. You see, all these challenges, the hardships that come into our life, we might see them as a death sentence. We might be just thinking, okay, how do we end things? How do we escape? And how do we now resign? And, and we do that. I think we first resign something, relationship, occupation, commitment, something we've started, we, we, we've gotten involved in. We first begin to resign ourselves from that emotionally, disconnect emotionally, and then we kind of put things in motion to see it through. Sometimes we're not as honest with ourselves as we should be on this. When we do this, we miss God's great objective for our life. We miss the opportunity that God is calling us to. Paul said, oh, what did Paul say there in the scripture? That all of this happened, all that was happening, so that I would rely on God. <laughs> so when that day approached, when, when I approached my house that day and it's half built and I dropped my knees in a pile of dirt, I'm like, you know, God help me. This is just beyond me. I, I just can't keep all this together. I, I cannot endure. And God says, David, I'm here. Rely on me. I've been here all along. Last week, we talked about something. We said Jesus had spiritual grit. And this is something that we want to develop in our lives. And spiritual grit is the encouragement and endurance of Jesus. And, and we, we talked a lot about encouragement last week, and it's important because most things in life worthwhile, or most things worthwhile in life, are harder than we expect. We talked about how Jesus came to earth, died on the cross for our sake, and for the joy set before him, endured the cross. And, and, and then we see, we see Jesus at a time in his life prior to going to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, and there Satan meets him to what? To not encourage, but to discourage him to the point of bringing him to emotional agony and distress. When we get to that point of, the direct, of not just stress, but duress, we just want to resign. And Paul is telling us here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, when you want to resign, instead rely. <laughs> if you want to grow spiritual grit, don't resign, instead rely, instead endure. If you rely on God, you're going to endure. There are a few things that we could do to kind of help us along, to, to get this right. Because anything worthwhile in life is going to be harder than you expected. Let's endure worthwhile things. Let's endure for worthwhile things. Endure by relying on Jesus and endure for the good of his kingdom. There are many times in my life that I've wanted to resign. Critical things at critical moments. There was Bible college. And really, I look back now and by God's mercy, I'm so grateful that I did not resign any of these things that I'm going to bring to you. I go to Bible college, which it was a significant contributor to put me on a path on why I'm here today. Within two months, I began to struggle. 
By the time the first semester ended, I was resolved to resigning. I am quitting. I had told Christy, I'm quitting. I had so incredibly discouraged Christy with my poor attitude, with just speaking about quitting often, with being so done with Bible college. But then, Christy, others, spoke into my life. God, Holy Spirit, I was encouraged. And then I endured, and I kept going, and I finished out the year. And then, of course, we're talking about the time Early on in ministry, we, Christy and I, as I've told you many times, we were right into ministry. We were working with uh, lower income, uh, minority, Hispanic, and, and black children and teenagers. We started this from scratch, man. And we're talking just like hardcore, nitty-gritty, going out into projects, into the neighborhood, introducing right there on the street. Hey, I'm Dave. Let's, you know, you want to, I'm going to, have something on a Friday night. You want to invite your friends, come hang out, eat, play basketball. <laughs> That's how we built that ministry. And, you know, only about maybe, I don't know, four to six months in at the most, I'm like, That's it. I can't do this. I'm not being treated well. I'm exhausted. I'm giving so much and I'm getting nothing back. I quit. I want to resign. I'm resigning. Called up my pastor to tell her that that's it. I'm quitting. And my pastor, in a way that she could do and only her, that she could get away with it, pretty much gave it to me and said, wow, did, you, did God tell you to resign? Did God tell you to quit? Did God tell you it's over? The same God who called you, you told me he called you to this ministry? She said, rely on that God who called you. Don't look to yourself right now. She might even said it that way or in so many words. Listen, endurance is not an easy thing. Sometimes, you know, I'd say, you know what, okay, I've gone as far as I can go. I've obeyed as much as I could obey. Maybe there'll be another day. Someday I'll obey more. Someday I'll be better. I'll be stronger and I'll endure, but not today, not now. Someday I'll get it together and I'll get it all done. Listen. We're never going to have it all together. But sooner than later, just rely on Jesus. Realize you just need to rely on Jesus to endure. Rely on Jesus so you can endure the worthwhile things in life. So that you can endure for the worthwhile things in life. Listen, this process doesn't end for me, and I don't think it's going to end for you. It's going to go on for the rest of my life. Listen, you don't possess endurance. You practice endurance. You're going to either resign or you're going to rely. What are you going to do today? God has so much more for you. I mean, I'm just from my heart, I'm sharing with you today. Do not resign, but rely. Do not resign that relationship. Do not resign being a part of that. Do not resign that marriage. Do not resign that commitment, but instead rely on God. Do not resign what you believe God called you to. Instead, rely on God. Uh, look, I'm just, I'm a guy that, I just turned 55 years old, you know, a week, a couple of weeks ago. In five or six weeks, I'm going to be married September 2nd for 25 years. Come on. Uh, for the most part, I've raised four children, well, 13, 18, 18, and 20. You know, I, I've, I've been down this road a bit, this thing we call life. And you know what? In all of that, I've never 
felt weaker than I do right now. I don't think I've, ne I've never been meaning, I've never been more aware of my weaknesses that I do, that I, that, than right now in this season of my life. I've never been more aware of my shortcomings. And so much so that in the last four to six weeks, I've increased really the last couple of months. Well, three months really now total is when I set out to do this. I began to increase my accountability in areas of spirituality and leadership. I've selected a man that I believe now is going to be my pastor, and I can be more accountable to him and kind of a pastor mentor can speak in my life, and, and I'm going to be more accountable to him. I I've, I've have another person come alongside of me in sort of assisting me and, and building me and coaching me in leadership personally I'm talking to because I'm aware more than ever of my weaknesses, and I need to rely on God and less on me. Now, this is not a reasonable process that's brought me to this point. It's a supernatural happening. It would not happen apart from God, the Holy Spirit. It would not happen apart from, you know, the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. It would not happen apart from me relying on Jesus, my Savior, my Rescuer. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. The Apostle Paul, he's writing to uh, the church in, Corinthian, in, in Corinth. And... Uh, they're, they're at a point where they're kind of they're turning away from what Paul taught. And they're leaning more towards now on the teachings of people who have kind of drifted into the church. And these people are talking about having these, you know, visions, these grand visions, and, 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 and that from, a, from a mystical place having these uh, visions that, that gives them the right to teach with authority, if you will. That's a quick summary. And, and Paul kind of sets out to respond to this, and he, he's got a touch of sarcasm in it as we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. So Paul says this boasting will do no good. He's talking about boasting about himself. But I must go on, although really there's nothing to be gained. I will, I will go on to talk about, you know, visions and revelations from the Lord. He said, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. He's talking about himself. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know. But God knows he was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I, I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself, except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. He's saying, hey, this really did happen to me. I have had these extraordinary experiences with God. He said, but I refrain to boast so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. Or because of these surpassingly great revelations that I've had. Saying, man, you, you can't imagine the things I've seen and what I know, what I've experienced with God. And then Paul goes on to say, therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh as a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. 
But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Paul then writes, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. May we be more aware of our weaknesses. May we be able to, at the very least, boast about our weaknesses before, before our Heavenly Father and before the ones we love. And may Christ's power rest upon us today. In verse 10, Paul writes, That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, he is strong. <laughs> Paul is saying that through this process of wrestling with the thorn in my flesh, I've, I became more and more aware of my weaknesses, and I, more and more I relied on God. That's what happened. And this was to my benefit, he's saying. I, I struggled. I said, God, take this away from me. What's the issue? What's the thorn in the flesh? There's so much discussion about this. Is it physical? Is it emotional? Is it psychological? Is it a resistance to the gospel? No one knows for sure. What we do know is Paul is saying it was more than I could handle. God was giving me more than I could handle. Paul is saying, I prayed to God. Me, Paul, the Paul who prayed for others to be healed, the Paul who went to the third heaven, I prayed to God. I said, I can't do this anymore. Paul is like, God, either I resign or you remove. I resign or you remove. And God's saying, no, I'm not going to do either. God says, I want you to rely on me. You see, we're always thinking resign or remove. And God says to us, rely. Just pause and rely on me. And God says, it's time for you today now at this time in your life to develop a spiritual grit, the encouragement and endurance of Jesus. And we rely on God, we endure. We learn to endure. Endure by relying on Jesus. God was rescuing Paul from himself. Wasn't allowing Paul to think about all that he had accomplished. I've done that before, and it, it does. I've looked back now, and I could see it happening. When I do a little kind of a path and a chart of my life and what's going on in certain seasons, I'm like, you know what, man, this happened, that happened. Things were being accomplished, and I think it just kind of settled in that, wow, I had done that. And I, be, had, I began to become sort of self-sufficient, and now I really look to myself. And it's not, the problem is not me giving a pat on, to me on my back to myself, or encouraging myself. The, the problem more so was that now when I look forward, I'm thinking, I have to get it done. I've got to carry it. I've got to handle that. And that's where it gets ugly. And so then the pride comes up. You get conceited. God, Paul says, God would not allow me to become conceited. He gave me this thorn in my flesh. It made me turn to God, Paul is saying. God wanted to bring Paul closer to him. He wants to bring you closer to him. Yes, there's a difficulty. Yes, it's sticking you. Listen, God's grace is sufficient. God is not out to crush you. God is out to transform you all for his glory. There are times in my life where that pride creeps up. What does it look like? Well, you know, usually it's 
we know it's gotten too far when it creeps up in my relationship. It's, it starts to become evident in my relationship with Christy. And yeah, you know, there's been imp certainly improvements over the years. But there were times where, you know, it would look like me having an argument with Christy and, and me looking at Christy seriously, telling her, you know what, I'm a pastor. People actually, people listen to me. You don't listen to me. People listen to me, but you don't listen to me. And you're my wife. And, and, and that didn't go well at all. As a matter of fact, I think that happened one time during a rather noticeable disagreement at Applebee's, which kind of, I don't know if you want to call, ended or continued with me walking out of Applebee's uh, in sort of a huff and a puff. Now, you know, prematurely uh, walking out on dinner. Now, have you ever noticed when I talk about Christian and I having arguments, it's always me walking out? Huh? You, you, you see how hard Christy can be on me? Listen, Christy wasn't doing what I wanted her to do, what I thought she needed to do. She wasn't changing what I think needed to be changed. <laughs> and I'm coming before God, and I'm talking more and more to God, and God's saying, listen, it's not her I want to change, it's you I want to change. I, 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 I've got a work to do in you. I'm calling you, Dave, right now to endure. Stop the resigning, Dave. And I'm not going to remove it, Dave. What's going on? I want you to rely on me, Dave. The time has come now for you to endure. I've done so much to encourage you. I want you to endure. I want you to have spiritual grit. And over time, you know, I really started talking more and more to God about Christy, and not like complaining. <laughs> I, I tried that. It didn't go well. Just talking to my God about the woman that he placed in my life. And gradually, this kind of morphed into almost sort of a um, something instinctive. If I had an issue or there was a problem, which I, I would kind of put it into like a pause mode rather than an assumptive mode or a conclusive mode, but a pause mode, and I would talk with God about the issue at hand. Listen, before you vent about an issue to your spouse, make sure you have vetted that issue in prayer. If you do that, it will have a significant positive effect on your communication with your spouse. Before you vent the issue with your spouse, make sure you have vetted that issue in prayer. God will give you a greater peace. He'll give you something more effective and productive to share with your spouse. God will do a great work in you. So joy is born. And it changed me. The whole season of my life changed me. And, and I realized God was not crushing me. God was transforming me. He was teaching me to endure by relying on Jesus and to endure for the good of his kingdom. In verse 10, the apostle Paul writes, that is why for Christ's sake, I mean, Paul is saying, I'm going through all of this for Christ's sake, for Jesus' sake. Paul is saying, everything I do, I do for Jesus. Paul is saying, I know why I'm living. I know why I'm here. You see, th this leads Paul to a powerful place in his theology his understanding of God. We want to grasp this. What Paul is saying to us is, God does not exist for you. You exist 
for God. You exist for God's kingdom. Now, if you can embrace this, it's a game changer for you. A lot of us live our lives, we battle through as if God exists for us. If you would pause and just <laughs> think about how you talk to God, how you speak about God, how you apply God, about how you interact with God. Does he exist for you or do you exist for him? If you say, you know what, I exist for God. Once you do that, you're going to come to realize sooner than later that you truly are part of something greater than yourself. And this is a path to transformation. I put that in the heart and my mind of kids over and over. You exist for God. You exist for the kingdom of God, for the good of the kingdom of God. Give, serve, sacrifice. Honor your father and mother. Love God. Worship God. Sacrifice. You exist for the good of God's kingdom. Believe that, I tell them, and it will continually transform your life. You will continually meet God in greater and greater ways throughout your life. You'll not stagnate. And you won't get caught up in this I'm not happy thing. I'm not happy. It, it's a common term, but it's not a license. It's not a pass. It, 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 and it's sort of become that, like, I'm not happy, so I don't have to endure. I'm not happy, so I can end this. I'm not happy, so I can turn around and escape this. I'm not happy, so I can give up on this. And, and, and I'm not happy, so I... Just pause. Paul says, I endured all for Christ's sake. I endured it all for Jesus' sake. Paul says, I exist for God. I exist for something so much greater than me. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. Paul says, since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Paul is calling us, Paul says God is calling us to live above the things of this world. To rise above the circumstances in this world. To rise above the circumstances that are upon us. To do that, you need spiritual grit. You need the encouragement and endurance of Jesus. You need to rely on Jesus' finished work on the cross and the power of his resurrection. Have you done that? I believe God is calling you today to do that, to trust in Jesus, to rely on the power of his death and resurrection for you, that you would have eternal life to endure. Pause and think about that. I can endure, not escape, not resigning, not just getting to empty, not getting exasperated. I can endure. You can endure by relying on Jesus. And the first step to relying on Jesus is right now today, turning to him and saying, I exist for you, for your glory, for your kingdom. Say, Jesus, I give my life to you. God, my heavenly father, forgive me of my sins for the sake of what Jesus did on the cross for the joy for me, 
I turn to you, Jesus. I want to know you as my Lord and Savior. I want to live my life for you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. If you said that prayer, you've begun, the Bible says, a new relationship with Jesus. The old is going gone. The new has come upon you. If you've come to that place, you'll look down at the bottom of the screen. You'll see a link or a, or a, a text uh, number. Go to either of those, activate either, either of those, and you'll come to a form. It's simple, basic, complete it, and send it into us. We will, within a day or two, send you out a package with some material and information to just give you some traction to support you in this incredible, life-changing decision you have made. Maybe you're listening today and you thought, you know what? I think I've always approached this Christian thing, this Jesus thing, as if God existed for me. Yeah, God exists for me. I've not really thought that I exist for God. When I look at my calendar, my, my checkbook, my bank account, when I look at the way I think and how, again, I apply God into my life and my narrative and my discussions, and, and when I look into my future, wow, I think, I think I've got it backwards. God exists for me. When it needs to be, I exist for God and his kingdom. And, I, and that, that's going to change today. I'm renewing my relationship with God. Today, Today, I've, I'm, I'm going to rely on God. I'm going to stop this process, this cycle of resigning and escaping or, or resigning and looking for, for God to bail me out and remove me from this or me trying to remove me. No, today, I'm going to rely on God. God is calling us to rely on him. If that's you, you want to take that, that card or same thing, you want to go to the bottom, if you will, just back for a second. And just again, click that link or go to that text number. Fill out the form that you come to and just say, I'm renewing my relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm renewing it. Listen, be encouraged today. Have the encouragement and endurance of Jesus Christ. Have spiritual grit. God is developing a spiritual grit in you. You are going to grow this summer. You are going to reap a great harvest in the fall, you and the people you love. Hey, I miss you. I'm praying for you. I'm going to intentionally set out to connect to many of you in the coming days and, 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 week, and weeks, if you will. I'm here for you, Christy and I. Uh, I'm so grateful you joined us today. To God be the glory.